Boy, singing to me. Um, all right, we're in Romans chapter 12 still. We've got the part of chapter, Romans. Just if you can find it, turn it down a little bit. Okay. Um, and we're going to do the end of chapter 12 and chapter uh, 13 today. We are going to be able to finish. We're going to do chapter 14 next week. And then we're going to do 15 and 16 the last week. We only have two full, two regular Wednesdays left in the spring. Chapter 16 is a lot of greetings and personal things. It won't take long to get through chapter 16. So we're going to pick up tonight with chapter uh, 12, verse 9. Now remember, chapter 12 is the big, it's the big switch in Romans, the big change from the doctrinal section to the practical section, uh, where Paul has been. Uh, hammering home, the plan of salvation, uh, justification by faith, sanctification, and then in chapter 12, it begins, okay, so what? What do we need to do about that? How do we respond to the salvation God has given to us? And uh, three things in chapter 12 in verses 1 and 2, we talked about our relationship with God, remember? We're to present our bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, to him, give ourselves to him in response to what he's done for us. In verses 3 through uh, 16, where we are uh, and broke uh, last week, he's talking about our relationship with other believers. He talked about the gifts of the, of the body, the gifts God has given to the church. And then in verses 9 through 13, where we're picking up, it's like this kind of staccato um, set of admonitions that, that Paul is giving to us about how we're to live within the body of Christ, how we're to treat other believers in the church. And uh, it seems to me, even though uh, the verses weren't there when the writers wrote, that these, these verses kind of hang together. Um, notice verse 9, three things. Uh, let love be without hypocrisy, abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, okay? Love is a big thing in, in the Bible. It's a big thing in the body of Christ. We're going to come to love again at the end of chapter 13. Here he says love is to be unhypocritical in the church. We're to love each other sincerely and authentically. We're to love each other, not saying how much we care about someone. We really don't care for them. We're to love each other uh, with uh, a real sense of genuine sincerity. We're to, to hate, abhor, hate what is evil. And the, the flip side of that is we're to cling to what is good. I want you to notice kind of the earnest verbs that, uh, that, that he uses here. We're to abhor what is evil. We're to cling, hang on to what is good. Verse 10, um, these things hang together too. Be devoted to one another. There it is again, brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. That giving preference to one another is, is it's a manifestation of, of loving each other. Flip over with me to Philippians chapter 2 for a moment. Philippians 2. I always use uh, these verses in uh, premarital counseling. K 
Carrie, read verses 3 and 4 with for me. Philippians 2. Regard one another as more important than yourself. I can't think of a better principle to live by in the home, family, or in the church. For everyone involved to say, you know, you are more important than me. Your needs are more important than my needs. You know, in, in marriage, if if both parties are concerned about the other person's needs, guess what? Everybody's needs get met. But if instead we're trying always to make sure that our needs get met, nobody's needs get met, or one does and the other doesn't. So anyway, uh, it applies in the church, and that's what he's talking about here in verse 10. Give preference, give preference to one another in honor. Verse 11 not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Those three things go together. We're to not lag behind in our diligence in spiritual things. We're to be fervent in spirit. We're to be serving the Lord. Verse 12, we're to be rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Uh, you know, hope is a, is a great blessing God has given to us in the church. Paul said in Romans chapter 5, hope does not disappoint. We're to rejoice in that, rejoice in the hope we have in Christ. We're to persevere, even in the midst of tribulation or difficulty or hardship. In the midst of, we're to be devoted. Notice, again, those strong verbs, uh, devoted to prayer. We're to be contributing, verse 13, to the needs of the saints and practicing hospitality. We're to be concerned about other people and their needs being met. All right, verse 14. Somebody read verse 14 for me. All right. That's the way our culture lives. We, we, we live just the opposite way, don't we? We don't, we don't bless those who are persecuting us. We try to persecute them back. We try to get even. Bless, he says, those who persecute you. Reminds you of what Jesus said in, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount. Verse 15 talks about how we're to have empathy in the church. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. If you have a joy in your life, if, if you have a rich blessing that God has given to you, I'm to rejoice with you in that. The, the church is to, to share in the joy of other people. And then if you're heartbroken, my heart's broken. If you're saddened, then we're to share in that sadness with you. Verse 16, be of the same mind toward one another. Don't be haughty in mind. Is, haughty means proud. Talking about humility. Associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Carry back there has been teaching through the book of James. James has something to say about that, doesn't he? Associating with the lowly. You know, if, if somebody who seems like a misfit comes into this church, God forbid that we have them sit off in the corner and we neglect them. James says, well, I'll do what? 
Bring them to the front. Show that we care for them. Associate with the lowly. It's so easy, isn't it? Kind of get caught up in kind of our own class, our own way of doing things, and we're uncomfortable around people who aren't like us. And in the church, we need to make people who aren't like us comfortable in our midst. Verse 19. No, verse 18. I also use this in premarital counseling. If possible, you know, I just love that. What it tells me, not always possible. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. What does that mean? If there's a broken relationship, what are you supposed to make sure of? It ain't your fault. You know, the whole matter of peacemaking is a big deal in the Bible. And we, you know, curious talk through the Peacemaker series twice here. Um, and if possible, so is, is, you know, as long as it depends on us, be at peace with all men. Uh, verse 19, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, again, what is our our first reaction if somebody does something or says something to us? We want to do it back to them. Say back to them. We want to take our own revenge. God says, "Don't do that." You know that 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 involves having an eternal perspective. Because one day, what's God going to do? He's going to make it all right. He's going to take vengeance out on your enemies Himself. So we don't have to do that. Vengeance vengeance is mine. I'll repay, says the Lord. What we're to do is in verse 20. If your enemy's hungry, what are you supposed to do? Feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, it says you're heaping burning coals on his head. What does that mean? You don't know? <laughs> ever, heard the old ever heard the old phrase, killing someone with kindness? You know, your, your kindness is, is like a burning coal on his head because it's so contrary to what his mentality is, his thought process is. And, and hopefully, by your kind response, God might use that to open their hearts. Uh, you know, the proverb says, a soft answer turns away wrath. You know, if someone... Your enemy says something hateful to you. If you say something hateful back, it just accelerates, doesn't it? And so he says, we're not uh, to do that. Um, in verse 21, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. All right. Any questions about 12? That's Thought it'd be good to go through that in some detail. Now, he switches gears somewhat in verse uh, chapter 13. And he begins to talk about uh, the Christian's relationship to the civil government. Now, this is the classic text, if you will, in the Bible on the Christian and, uh, and civil government. It's the most detailed passage that we have and 
The Bible describes four, we'll call them spheres of authority. One is the home, one's the church, one's the government, and one's one business, the workplace. Four spheres of authority. What is what is the key? What 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 word uses the same word in each one of these four spheres? What is the Christian's attitude to be in each of these areas? That's right. Submission. Submission. Submission, 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 wives to husbands, congregation to elders, citizens to the government. Let's just look at it. First, go to First Peter 2. That's the grease that keeps things running smoothly. It's, it's, it's part of God's system of authority. First Peter chapter two. Uh, let, let's uh, look at verse thirteen to start with. Submit, it says, yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether a king as one of authority or governors. What's that talking about? Talking about the government. All right. Now look at um, um, uh, verse eighteen. Servants. Be submissive to your masters, not only those who are good and gentle, but also those who are unreasonable. There it is in business. Drop down to um, chapter 3, verse 1. In the same way, you wives, be submissive to your own husbands. There it is in the home. And then, of course, uh, but you know, I'm not going to let your husbands off the off the, uh, off the um Hook. It says in verse 7, you husbands, in the same way, live with your wives in an understanding way. All right? And then all the way through, not in this particular passage, we know there's, there's this note of submission in the church. So these four areas of authority. Where's the authority given, though? Where does that authority come from? It comes from God. So God delegates that authority if you will. Now let's look at um, the first five verses of chapter 13. Let's begin with, with uh, verse 1. What is the, we've already kind of talked about it, but what is, what is to be our basic relationship or attitude toward the government? We're to be in what? That's right. And that's what we're going to look at now. The, the principle is believers are to submit to the government. We are to be model citizens. If someone needs to know what, what, is a, what does a model citizen look like, church ought to demonstrate that. Believers ought to demonstrate that. Every person, he says, is to be in subjection to the governing authorities. When did Paul write that? Who was, who was the governing authority when Paul wrote that? Yeah. 
Don't think that was easy then. And that's what he says. Now, he gives us seven reasons. This is where Carrie was leading us. Seven reasons as to why we're to do that. Look at the end of verse 1. What is the, what is, why are we to submit? What's the reason we find at the end of verse 1? What's that? That's right. Government is by divine decree. Now you got to believe it, what the Bible says. What does that mean? Every ruler rules by the decree of God. R.C. says, God casts the final ballot. <laughs> oh, and you think you think through history. You think about you think about Nero. Think about Hitler. You think about these atrocities. And yet, the Bible says, "Government is by divine decree. There is no authority except from God, and those which exist are established by God." All right, we're going to come back. To, we're going to wrap it up in a minute. All right. What reason do we have to be submissive to the government in, in uh, verse to the first part of verse two? All right. And if you if you resist the government, what are you doing? That's right. If you resist the government, you are resisting God. Because he's put the government there in its place. Whoever resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. All right? What's the, what reason do we have to submit in, in verse 2? If you, if you do resist, what's going to happen? Yeah. Condemnation or punishment if you, if you resist. All right, look at verse, first part of verse 3. What reason do we have to submit to the government? Verse, the first part of verse 3 gives us the, the basic purpose for civil government, and that's to what? It's to restrain evil. So to deal with bad people. That's right. You can tell she deals with children every day. <laughs> deals with bad people. Look, I'm gonna just going to say it. This is the purpose for government. And our government has gone way beyond <coughs> what God has designed for it to do. Government is not supposed to be involved in all the details of human life. Government is not supposed to be taking care of the poor. Who's supposed to take care of the poor? Church is. Church is. The government has gone way beyond the domain that God has given to it. It's kind of spread its tentacles all around 
control what people do. Basic purpose of government is to deal, deal with the bad people, restrain evil. And then there's another reason in ver into verse uh, 3 and the first part of verse 4. It's the kind of the contrary. What's that? To promote what? Good. Government, government, what's that? That's right. Government is to, government is to promote the, the good. It's, it's supposed to make you safe. What's another reason? End of verse, uh, end of verse four. What, what is what is the government supposed to do to what is it supposed to do to these bad people? It's, all right, that's exactly right. It is to bear the sword, and it is to execute wrath. Bible is in favor of capital punishment. The government bears the sword. The sword has always been important in government. What, what happened when God drove Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden? What did he put to keep them out? Flaming sword, flaming sword to keep them out. The sword has been given to the government. And the less the government uses its sword, the more what? The more evil we see. Hey, it's true in your home, isn't it? The less you... Homes where there's the least discipline, there's the most what? Misbehavior. Homes where there's the firm discipline, there's... Better behavior. Same principle. All right. One more. Verse 5. Why should we submit to the government? For what sake? For conscience sake. Because we know it's right. Now, this is what the Bible teaches about Christians' relation to the government. We're, we're, we don't realize that we're to submit to it because government is by divine decree. If we resist the government resisting the ordinance of God, if we resist, we're subject to condemnation or punishment. The purpose of the government is to restrain evil, to deal with the bad people. It's to encourage people to do good, to promote good. It bears the sword in this restraining evil, and we're to deal with it because of our conscience and we know that it's the right thing to do now what do we do when there's a Nero what do we do when there's a Hitler can we get more personal you know we are commanded commanded to respect the office 
not necessarily the man or the person who holds the office. I think that's an important distinction to make. I'll never forget years ago, I went to an RUF uh, conference of some kind. I think Bebo and I went to St. Louis. And we were, it was just uh, many years ago, I can't remember. But I do remember is Brian Chappell, who used to be the president of Covenant Seminary, was the speaker. Bill Clinton was the president. And he talked about how people mocked the president and made fun of the president. And I'll never forget, he pointed his finger and he said, How dare you? How dare you? Because God commands us to respect the office. God's office. And, you know, I didn't like Mr. Obama. But I'm commanded to respect y'all. Trump frustrates the BGs he's out of me. I'm supposed to respect y'all. I'm so frustrated. I don't watch the news anymore. I'm done with it. Don't watch it anymore. My wife turns it on, I leave the room. Because I can just pull my hair out at Congress. Make all these promises. What great things they're going to do because, you know, Republicans have the White House and the Senate and the House. And what have they done? You know, I just want to pull my hair out. I'm, I'm, I'm in the sweep of all out of there. But. Bible says they are there by divine and even though we may not have much to do with them personally we've got to respect the that they that's the biblical command all right uh, and he gets real personal about it all in verses uh, six and seven. Because to support this office and these people who hold the office, we're required to do what? They take. Look, you're cheating on your taxes. You're disobeying God. Now the government is to have reasonable taxation. But we're obligated. We're obligated to pay the taxes that we owe. It's what the Bible says, verse 6. For because of this, that is because of all this, because this is a divine appointment, because of this, you also pay taxes. Here's the interesting thing. For rulers are servants of God. That's what it goes back to. All government is, a, is appointed by God. They're, they're, they're to be serving God, devoting themselves to this very thing. And we are to render to all what is due them. Tax to whom tax is due. Custom to whom custom is due. Fear to whom fear is due. Honor to whom honor is due. All right, let me just say it. I'd be, because of this, I'd be real careful what I forward. What emails you forward. Did not. Um, all right, verse 8, 
He comes back. Remember back in chapter 12, verse 9, let love be without hypocrisy. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. He picks it up again. And, and verses 8 through 10 all deal with the importance of love. He says in verse 8, owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. Now, a lot of people have come to that verse and said, ah, see, we're never to borrow any money, never be any debt. That's not the context. It's not what he's saying there. He's saying we're not supposed to owe any, anything to anyone except my greatest obligation, my greatest commitment, my greatest uh, debt to you is the debt of love. I'm not to owe you anything except to love you. That's what he says. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbors will fill the law. Then he, he goes back to what Jesus said. Uh, you know, they asked Jesus to summarize the law or to really pick out the greatest of the laws. And Jesus summarized them. You should not commit adultery, commit murder, not steal, not covet. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, Jesus said. He summarized in that way. You shall love God and love your neighbor. Verse 10, love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Well, the last few verses are just basic an admonition to us. To do what is right. He says, do this knowing the time. And what time is it in the, in the verse? What is, what, 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 what's Paul trying to say there? Why are we supposed to be so conscious about our behavior and loving one another, submitting to the government? All right. Now, some people say this eschatologically looking to the end of, of Christ's return. I'm not sure that's right. He says, do this knowing the time that it is already the hour for you to waken from your sleep. For now salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. You know, we talk about salvation three different ways. We have been saved. We are being saved. We will be saved completely at the time of our death when we go to heaven. I think that's what he's talking about. We don't know, do we? We don't know when our appointed time for death is. And therefore, we are to always be diligent, doing the work of the Lord, obeying him. Verse 12, the night is almost gone. The day is, is, is near. The night's life here. The day's life in heaven. Therefore, let us lay aside the deeds of darkness, put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ to make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. Somebody I was looking at this particular passage. Someone said, he broke down that passage into wake up, clean up, and grow up. Wake up. Time is, time is at hand. Clean up. Be done with all these sinful behaviors and grow up. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. I'm out of time.
They're all done. Chapter 14 next week. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the day. Bless our uh, consideration of what we heard. Help us always all to be good citizens, submitting ourselves to the government you placed over us. We pray your uh, blessing upon our rest of our evening as we go home to our families. In Jesus' name, amen.